Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, we've got a report back from Sundance featuring some of Amina's favorites, an inauguration recap, including what's in Melania's box, what's on Michelle's face, hint, it's what we're all feeling, and Cake Gate, plus a dispatch from the Women's March, including voices of some of our incredible listeners who were there, 10 actions for 100 days as an activist follow-up, plus Cheeto Watch week one. Trump is gagging all sorts of things, including making us gag. And super rich and liberal preppers are headed off the grid. Ow, 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 <laughs> I'm like, my voice is completely shot. That's always how I know it's time to go home. <laughs> I love that you gave me the howling hello, like, <laughs> despite your voice being shot. You know what it is, is that I'm just like surrounded by so many awesome ladies and all we're doing is like howling at each other. <laughs> like you see each other across the street and howl a hello. Yeah, across the snowbank. Yes, I'm in Park City, Utah right now. This is the why there is snow and why my voice is gone howling at ladies it's just it's very exciting time oh my god please describe the like general women's presence slash vibe at sundance the vibe is strong oh my gosh (laughs) the vibe is so 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 strong there's so many awesome ladies here you can feel it everywhere you know so part of it that is funny i think is that there's obviously like a lot of movies that have like female directors or really strong female presences or tell really awesome female stories and you can also even tell in some of the brands that are reflected just every big brand activation that I've gone to just has like awesome ladies in charge of shit and I'm like I'm so happy to be here yes it's been like really 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 fun just watching movies falling and skiing just catching up with old friends it's been a blast I know it's like early preview days, but is there anything that you are already excited for the rest of the world to see? Yes. This amazing documentary called Step about a step team from Baltimore. They flew out everybody from the step team and like their families here. Not a single dry eye in the room. I loved it. I will not spoiler anything for you, but when it comes out, you should absolutely, absolutely watch it. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry and just feel awesome. What else did I watch that I like? There is this uh, Russian doping documentary that's like super fucked up called Icarus. That's what I watched instead of Inauguration. And so (laughs) I can't even tell you about being in a room like watching about Russian propaganda while your new president is also a result of Russian propaganda is very, it was like very intense, but I highly specific protest, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, but it was, uh, that was really good, but no, but there are no ladies involved in that. So I'm not going to shout that out. I got to watch the first three episodes of I love Dick, which as we were talking about earlier, we're not like a straight, straight adaptation of the book, but, uh, it's pretty awesome. So if you're in Chris Krause or I love Dick fan, you will love this. What else? Patty Cakes was really good. I just try to not give spoilers, but I want to tell you like everything about all of these things. I'll send you a little email and then maybe we'll put it on the website. 
Yes. Or like when it's when it's sort of a time closer to when I can actually see these things, because it's sort of like fashion trend report for something happening in six months. You're like, thanks. That's not relevant. Everything's covered in snow right now. I'm going to forget about this by the time. (laughs) So, yeah, I want like a timely update. Exactly. But I also like, you know how I can watch 40 hours of TV and that doesn't phase me, but it's your superpower. But it takes every ounce of energy I have to watch a movie. This is the most trying week of my life because it's just movies, movies, movies. So it's like you get to watch docs and some really cool stuff. Like one probably that you and I will go watch in the theater together is uh, The Big Sick. With uh, it's uh, with Kumail Nanjiani and Zoe Kazan, and it's very sweet. It's like this interracial love story, and it's really well done. And for a movie that's produced by Judd Apatow, it doesn't have all of the Judd Apatow problems. You know, like too long, too like whatever, shrewish women character. Exactly. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's just it's it's perfect. So I don't know. It's good. And then there's also the. Did you ever see the trailer for? That horror movie, the, uh, what's his name? The Jordan Peele one, Get Out. Oh my God, which I didn't see the movie, but I wanted to so bad when I saw the trailer. So the movie showed last night, I recommend, and I'm not somebody who like fucks with horror movies. What's it called? Get Out. Get Out. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm dying to see it. So many, many things and so many cool uh, documentaries from like all around the world. The other like fun thing about Sundance, I remember my first Sundance, I kept a list in a notebook about like of all the celebrities that I saw because I thought it was, you know, it's just like, oh, look at you slipping in the snow with the rest of the hoi polloi. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, year, this year was no exception. It was like 10 out of 10 uh, celeb sightings. Oh, so I love it. Thanks. I love thanks, like Park people City. trying to look people trying to look glamorous while also wearing practical things or slash not wearing practical things. So I thought it could not be done until I saw Carrie Washington in a panel and just like, she looked like a vision. And so, and this was the day that we got probably like 16 inches of snow, like full on blizzard. I don't even know how everybody made it to this thing. And she just like steps out in a beautiful coat, takes off her coat and she's wearing uh, this like very chic sweater dress of course and, she is. Of course she is. And it's like everybody else here looks a mess. <laughs> How did you manage that? And her hair is amazing. Not a single... I, it was magic. I don't know how that happened. It was magic. I was like, you know, you're like Olivia Pope to the F out of the situation. So good for you. Yeah, Ski Lodge Olivia Pope is maybe my winter fashionable for life now. <laughs> it re- that's like really... That's where, like, that's where it's at. To segue into this, it's like, did you see what Kellyanne Conway wore at inauguration? Oh my God, like the horrible little tin soldier look. The Paddington bear, like how she wore yes. a full Paddington bear. <laughs> I feel that that's what your statement park is supposed to do. It's supposed to like envelop you. I'm wearing fascism by Paddington bear. What are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to be real with you though. If we're talking about inauguration looks, I kind of liked Melania's look, that like high neck, like ice blue wrap neck And thing. I'm so angry you're even bringing this up because... I was going to tell you this privately that in normal times I would say that I enjoyed Melania's look, <laughs> but we are living in extraordinary times, so I cannot co-sign that delightful look. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to be real. Wife of fascist looks really good is not like a breaking news headline, right? Like- I know, but she, but she also totally like jacked the whole look from uh, Jackie Kennedy. Listen, I know. I'm not like, um, I'm not giving her all of the credit I'm, in the world here. If, she, just if saying, she was married to somebody else, we'd be having a different conversation. Fair, obviously. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Speaking of people who are married to someone else, Michelle's face. <laughs> um, first of all, Michelle looked amazing. And then her face just reflected the mood of the country. Record scratch, freeze frame. You're wondering why, how I got here. <laughs> that's, that's what it felt like the whole time. But did you see Melania give her that ginormous Tiffany's box? Yes. What was even happening with that? Well, so last, um, not last year, in 2009, Michelle brought Laura Bush a gift. And so uh, I guess, so Michelle kind of started a tradition because you know how Melania jacks everything Michelle does. So, of course, of course. So that's what happened. But the funniest thing that I saw is like somebody tweeted like a Photoshop of the box and the inside it said help. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, um, it's like this meme actually like I laughed about it for like a little bit. And then I was like, you know, actually this like whole free Melania meme is not great because Melania doesn't deserve my sympathy. She is a birther herself, like doesn't believe that our former president was born in the United States. She's married to a terrible person that she's defended. And if she is trapped, I hope she stays trapped. I mean, she's also an immigrant and a woman who is like totally chill with the decimation of the rights of like other women and other immigrants. So, you know, no no sympathy, no sympathy whatsoever. Zero sympathy for Melania. But I did enjoy the like blink twice if you need to get out of here story. Oh, my God. I know. Speaking speaking of uh, other things that were totally plagiarized, let's talk about Cakegate. (laughs) Oh, my. Okay, Tell the people what's going on with the (laughs) inaugural cakes. So the the uh, the Cheetos inauguration cake was pretty much an exact replica of the cake for Obama's inauguration four years ago. They plagiarized the cake is what you're saying. That is 100% what I'm saying. So the original for Obama's inauguration is made by some dude named Duff Goldman, <laughs> who indeed has has a Food Network show. Um, and th- this year's was made by a shop called Buttercream Bake Shop in D.C., which had the most delightful Instagram post. After people noticed that the cake was a direct ripoff of Obama's, the, the Buttercream Bake Shop grammed a photo of this year's cake and said, excited to share the cake we got to make for one of last night's inaugural balls. While, wh- while we most love creating original designs, when we are asked to replicate someone else's work, we are thrilled <laughs> when it is a masterpiece like this one. Duff Goldman originally created this for Obama's inauguration, and this year's committee commissioned us to recreate it. Best part is all the profits are being donated to Human Rights Campaign, one of our favorite charities who we have loved working with over the years. Boom. <laughs> that is amazing. I know. I just like, oh, cake activism. (laughs) Aren't you mad? This is not about Cheetos specifically because all presidents do this, but I cannot believe how much of our tax dollars just goes into garbage, like inauguration pomp and circumstance. It's very upsetting. I know know you missed the inauguration because you were watching movies. I was on a plane during inauguration. So, which is like, which is actually, this is, it was both my literal life transition to the Women's March, but also a great transition for us that I was in Portland for a work thing and I flew I think he was speaking when I was in the airport waiting to board the plane directly to DC. And I was so tired and so grumpy. And I think I had been like texting with you about how I was more depressed than I thought I would be like on actual inauguration day. Like you think you get used to this idea and then you're like, oh. And, um. and then it's here and you're like doom and gloom. Yeah. And, and just like being in the airport and kind of hearing the ambient noise of his voice, like through the airport, like, and just being like, oh, this is going to be a background noise to the next four years. I was, I don't know, anyway, I was really sad. And then I was one of the last people on the plane 
because I was getting my snack situation sorted. <laughs> and, um, and as I'm walking onto the plane, like, you know, passing every single row, I realized that every person on the plane is a woman. I mean, I think there were maybe two to three men maximum on this flight. And that's when I got like really emotional and oh, um, lady plane. Was I know the all lady plane. You know, it was a brief alternate universe where women are just so obviously dominant and so visible. And um, I definitely like when I got to my seat, I cried. And the two women on either side of me were like patting each patting one thigh. <laughs> and as you might have might suspect, like some things happened on the all lady plane. One, we ran out of sparkling water like immediately. Of course, of course. By the second sort of drinks cart service, we'd run out of wine as well, and the snack supply was running low. (laughs) This is hilarious. There was a row behind me of women who I would say were in their 50s or 60s, and one of the women um, was a protest veteran who had been, you know, like I think all the way back to Vietnam War protests had, had experience. And then the other two women were like, "This is our first protest. What do we expect?" And the the older the other the woman who had experience was like filling them in, <laughs> and then she. She had a copy of the newspaper, which had a photo, like had a map of the mall on it. And it was for inauguration, but she had like written on it with pen, like here's where the women's march starts. And she was like, pass it up to the front of the plane. And I was like, oh, we all have the internet, but like, this is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I just love that it turned into instant camaraderie. Oh my God. There was so much hooting, so much whooping. One of the flight attendants took a photo at the front of the plane of like everyone on it and then walked row by row, airdropping the photo to people so that we would all have a copy. <laughs> I mean, like amazing, like truly, truly amazing work. Anyway, so I tweeted the photo because this is like a very, this was like, I mean, I would, I would say probably going to be a fairly unique experience in my life. And several people totally correctly pointed out that Everyone visible in the photo, for sure. Definitely not everyone on the plane, but was a white lady. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, Rip my mentions because all of the like Trump supporters were like, I hope the plane burns. I hope it goes down. I hope it's hijacked. Uh It was pretty fun. That as well, like being like, okay, well, like, let's just acknowledge this. First of all, the flight's flying from Portland, which is not like an excuse, but just demographically. um, (laughs) There's like probably something that's a little bit different about this flight versus one coming from elsewhere. But it really was like a nice sort of framing moment that prompted me to be like, I'm going to a march that is probably definitely going to be dominated by white women with a certain degree of economic privilege. And what does that mean for what happens at the march? And what does that mean for what happens after? So it was actually this pretty like important framing experience for me as well. Yeah, you know, I think that one thing that I was really struck by is by how much fun everybody was having and i you know obviously like fun is great but that's also kind of how you know that it's a very white march (laughs) because uh let me tell you that is not the atmosphere at black lives matters marches for example right totally and um and yeah and a lot of people were talking about how you know there are like what five million people marching all around the world definitely Um, Millions of those are in the United States and there's no reported arrests from any of the women's marches, which is amazing and great, you know, but I think is such a speak so much to how policing is different at this at these events. I love seeing all the signs that were like, all of you are going to show up at the Black Lives Matter protest, right? And there was this really 
kind of a, I want to say iconic, such a Twitter word, iconic photo of this black woman who was, she's like licking a lollipop and holding a sign that says uh, like white women voted for March or 53% of white women. Like I, I, rem- I forget what the specific sign was, but behind her there's like three um, white ladies in, uh, in the pink hats who are like definitely taking selfies and like it's a very light like kind of moment. And the internet like seized on that as a hmm. But I think that the March organizers did a really good job of acknowledging all of that. You know, it's like if you look at the speaker program, if you look at the platform and what the March stands for, it is definitely inclusive and it is definitely led by many women of color and the agenda is really strong. So, yeah, it's one of those things that like I think it's important to critique. But at the same time, I'm just there is a part of me that's just stuck in like, wow, these women had 11 weeks to plan this incredible event and they pulled it off, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, and I didn't mean that as, I mean, like, for me personally, you know, my experience of the march, which granted, like, there were so many people marching in so many places, we're all probably going to see and hear different things. But in terms of what I heard and saw, I didn't participate in a march that was exclusively focused on, say, reproductive rights. Like, you know, the chants that I heard and participated in and the signs that I saw, there was a lot about immigration and LGBTQIA rights. And, um, you know, we did chant Black Lives Matter at several points in the march. You're right, like tons of credit to the organizers for setting a tone that this is a march about justice and and setting a tone moving forward and less about biologically like female anatomy or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a very broad, a broad definition of like all the things. we. No, exactly. You know, and and saying that it's not, I really appreciate it too. They're framing about like the way that they talk about it because the March is about Trump, but it's also bigger than him, you know, in the sense that like, he's not going to be here forever, but we're going to be fighting about these things for a long time. Totally. And so I think that like setting that expectation of just doubling down on kind of your values and justice and and doing this for a long time is really important. You know, like the march in Park City, they expected, I think, 1500 people and eight mm-hmm. and 8000 people showed up. Wow. In I want to say 15 degree weather. It was so cold. 15 degree weather and definitely 13 inches of snow. You know, and I think the population of Park City is like maybe double that here. Let's look it up. The population of Park City is 7,962 people. Wow. So That's incredible. <laughs> so that tells you, yeah, you know, and the march here obviously was like like celebrity heavy and Chelsea Handler led it and it looked like everybody had a good time. Everybody was on the same page and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the week. It's kind of the thing that at least like in my circles and the things that I'm doing, everybody is talking about and it's back of mind for them you know mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that that's been really enhanced my experience here because it's like on one hand you know there's all these like wonderful creative projects and but people are also really focused on like what does this mean for my work in the next like four years in the next eight years and that's been really awesome to watch yeah and the I mean more props to the women's march organizers but they've started a new initiative called 10 actions for 100 days which is essentially every 10 days they're going to provide really detailed instructions to how for how to take an action I love this because basically then you can say okay did I march with a crew of people like we're going to get together and then follow through on the action for this next 10 days. Or you can have like a virtual crew do it. You know, it's all online at womensmarch.com. Yeah, you know, it's so important to take the momentum of these last couple of days to 
really think about like what that means for actual politics, you know, and for our own actions, because we've seen movements come and go and die basically because of this lack of follow up. And right. this is so strong and people feel so people feel so energized, especially people who had never been to protest before. You know, it's like if you're a first time marcher, that's the hardest barrier to cross. You know, like totally. you showed up. You like actually you did that. <laughs> that's incredible. And like now everything is maintenance, constant vigilance and maintenance. Right. And like thinking about showing up as like a commitment to the future or like all of the signs. And I heard this was the messaging from the stage, although I never even got close enough to a jumbotron to lay eyes on like a teeny tiny Angela Davis or anything. Um, (laughs) But I but, you know, I heard that a lot of the messaging from the stage was this is only the beginning messaging. And so and I, I think that is a really powerful as opposed to this is a protest, like this is a promise. You will continue to hear from us about all this stuff. I really I love that. Yeah, that's cool. And people are already starting to organize April 15th, like tax day marches for the Cheeto to show us his taxes, which I I just laughed because I was like, thank you for reminding me to file for an extension right now because I'm <laughs> not going to have time to deal with I am not going to have time to deal with that. Yeah, it's like April 15th is a Saturday this year, which means that taxes aren't due till that Monday. And I'm like, yeah, this is not going to happen. See you guys in October. <laughs> question did you have any signs that you saw from the march or that you saw IRL that you that you thought were particularly like funny I mean I know we talked about the ones we thought were important or poignant but I I had a few like hearty hearty laughs there's always like the classic like an older woman holding the like I can't believe I still have to protest this shit but this the one that made me really happy here is that it was a younger girl like definitely like maybe high school that was holding it and she went up to this older woman and she's like I think you should be holding this like seeing that moment like killed me I've been keeping a folder of my faves including one that referred to the Cheeto as quote the apricot hell beast (laughs) okay that's pretty that's pretty fucking good I was like we can use this also one that said uh, never made a sign before now I'm secretary of science (laughs) (laughs) the one that I loved was this one I guess it was in DC I saw it on the news like this woman was holding a like a know your constituent sign and had like a perfect vagina diagram (laughs) where she just just the whole thing and I was like this is what they should put in the tampon box this shit is good obviously like the classic my favorite favorite march sign from like around the world was the one uh from the the Days and Confused reference from Austin, where oh, please somebody, tell me. somebody had a the biggest Matthew McConaughey you've ever seen, and then uh, and then it said, "Women want all rights, all rights, all rights." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's the most Austin, Texas thing in the world," and oh. I am so happy. Yes, regionally specific. I saw an Indiana delegation in D.C. that carried a Sisterhood of the Troubling Pence sign. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes. Yeah, regional jokes. I mean, like, I also like anything that was kind of a play on a more traditional protest sign. There was a woman in L.A., I believe, who carried a sign that said, what do we want? Equal rights. When do we want it? 1776. (laughs) Yeah, which is sort of like a different version of can't believe we still have to protest this. Oh, my God. But there were also some like very cute, like little March babies, like the one kid who had the very earnest sign that just said, I heart trains. I'm like, you know what? Follow your heart, (laughs) little man. Or there was this like adorable little kid that was like, I uh, I take naps, but I'm woke. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for bringing your children to marches. 
I mean, that sign could also apply to me and many people I know. <laughs> the like nap centric <laughs> protest sign. It's um, so. I mean, these. I I really hope that multiple like people are archiving these because there were some incredible ones. Yeah, so many, so many good ones. Well, I um I brought my audio equipment to the march as promised. Yes, and I stopped. Many women I saw with cool signs or who looked like they were there with besties or were generally looked interesting. And I have to say, shout out to everyone who listens to this podcast. I would say that a good 50% of the people I talked to were like, oh, I've listened to your podcast. Okay. Yay. <laughs> it made me feel really happy about the quality of humans that are with us here. So that is squarely our demographic. Hilarious ladies at like civil rights marches. Yes. Yes. So maybe like we can listen to a few of the people I talked to, including a woman with an incredible vagina dentata sign. Um, and, <laughs> oh my gosh. And a, a crew, a crew of 10 year old girls. And uh, I think there were three different women, although I, I, I only put the mic to one or two of them due to my still baby podcaster skills who were wearing American flag headscarves and holding that shepherd fairy sign of the woman in like a, a headscarf printed with the American flag, which I thought was really a pretty powerful sign of like, no, no, I'm not just your symbol. Like I'm here. And how do you guys feel? I mean, you're really visible. Um, you know, like I, I think that one thing I've been thinking about a lot is that there are a lot of white people here, um, which in some ways I'm like, it feels good. Like I want to see white people stand up to this president. But also on the other hand, there's like, I have some misgivings. I don't know. I'm wondering how you're feeling about like the, the crowd that's represented here today. And like, I don't know. I feel that it's also very white. <laughs> And um, we were both kind of talking before we felt we felt that there should be more of a minority presence and a Muslim presence um, in general. You know, I don't know if people are scared or just kind of going to their own um, community local walks as well. A lot of like in Trenton and um, New York. So people are just going what's closer to them. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we kind of all unified here and shut the city down. <laughs> Also, just in terms of like, um, like safety or whose body is on the line, there is a part of me too that's like, maybe it's a good thing there's a lot of white people on the line. I don't know. I mean, I think we're all thinking it too, but not really wanting to say it exactly. I mean, this is why I want to talk right. about it. I don't know. I mean, you're yeah. right. Some things are just very obvious and, you know, yep, they're not going to tear gas all these white people. <laughs> I mean, there is. Oh, but yeah, yeah we're just kind true. of hoping. Um, thank you. Thank you very so much. My poster is it says vagina dentata we have a very large voluptuous black vagina with labia inner and outer visible as well as the large beautiful black clit we have a um, lesion of teeth a bloody teeth and an anus for anatomical correctness and a bounty of coily pubes um, this this poster is set on a backdrop of glittery gold poster board which I think is really important to note and again it says vagina dentata because this pussy bites back what happened in the bathrooms so there's a lot of porta potties lining the mall and some really pleasant trickster came along and put a bunch of little locks on them they're not official locks like they look like somebody pranked it so the very clever women of the march united to figure out a way to peel up the door and there's a line of women helping each other get in there to pee because that's what sisterhood's all about the porta potties have been taken by force that's that's exactly right and now there and now there is quote unquote 
a crowbar guy. But a moment ago, people were like pulling back the door and going like, crawl, crawl, crawl. <laughs> Maddie, Eon, Tris. Tell me, did you did you want to come to the march today, or did your parents make you do it? I wanted to because I wanted to stand up for women's rights and equality. Yes, I I wanted to come to hang out with my best friends and <laughs> to show that I do not stand with Donald Trump. Why do you think women's rights are important? Because we are women and women are human, therefore women rights yeah. are human rights. Women. So Donald Trump treat us nice. If you could like go to Donald Trump's house and hang out right now, what would you say to him? Um, let's see your taxes. <laughs> okay, so think about someone listening to this who wasn't there today. What would you tell them it felt like? And what did you see and what did you do? I thought it felt very, it was a very important thing and it was special because it's going to become a big part of history. And I felt very courageous because um, everybody was just standing up for what they believed in and that we were saying that no one was alone. We were all standing together. I thought one of the best, for, <laughs> best parts of actually being there because, you know, you can support women's rights all the time. But one of the best parts about being there was, like, reading everybody's thoughts on the signs. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I really liked a lot of the chants that they did and when we sung along. To yeah, what, what's your favorite chant? Do it. He's a fascist. He's a racist. We won't stop till he replaces him with a new revolution. Oh, a new revolution. Oh. Oh, Okay, so P.S. also about those 10-year-olds. I told them that I wanted to interview them for my podcast, and they go, uh, is it on YouTube? And I, go, <laughs> I told them, no, it's on iTunes, and they were like, oh. And gave me the, like, the most, like, we feel so sorry for you old person look ever. Well, iTunes is a high barrier of entry for a 10-year-old. First of all, they need like a parental credit card. You know, there's a lot of infrastructure. But also, they're right. Like, we are old and irrelevant. I know. Anyway. <laughs> Roasted. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. By the time this podcast airs on Friday, it would have been one week of uh, Cheeto presidency. The Cheeto administration. <laughs> right. And it's like, what? We're recording this on Tuesday. So just so you know, the like biggest headline right now is how he's mad about the size of the crowds and just like lying out of his wazoo. The press secretary is the worst press secretary we're ever going to have. He's like, this is our Baghdad Bob. And it's just bad news. <laughs> Um, but even though the headlines are about him saying, like, there's, you know, like, talking about bullshit voter fraud or, like, talking about inauguration numbers, he's actually doing more truly terrible things than I ever thought possible to be, like, in four oh, days. day one. Just day one. Okay, let's go down the list. 
He has reinstated the global gag rule, which is awful and will make abortions less safe. It means that probably thousands of women across the world are going to die and lose their access to health care. So if you don't know, by reinstating this executive order, he's basically barring uh, U.S. foreign aid from going to any NGOs around the world that provide abortions or, this is the important part, that provide any kind of advice about abortion care. So if the NGO just simply discusses abortion with their patients as some sort of option for family planning, they can't receive any U.S. foreign aid, which is awful. Yeah, they cannot even utter the word abortion. Like, they can't acknowledge that we live in a world in which this is a, a like, safe procedure that exists. Did you see the picture of him signing this executive order? He's, like, sur- oh my God. surrounded by all men, just, like, awful people. But most of all, it's, like, shame on you, Jared Kushner, and your you and your wife like claiming that you're progressive people this is terrible it's like watching jared kushner watch over his father-in-law do this just i wanted to throw up i was so angry yeah i mean i definitely flash back to the photo of bush signing the global gag rule which um which featured a group of like white men in suits standing behind yeah so this is the thing you need to know about the global gag rule is that like every time we have a republican president they reinstate it and the democrat president like takes it off the table so uh see you in four years hopefully uh this is this is terrible what else is terrible that's going on uh he's also stopped all the epa research grants Yay, we don't need to know about the environment anyway. We don't need to know about the environment. We don't need to clean up oil spills. We can all decide for ourselves what is truly a toxic level of like water pollution. Yeah, no big deal, right? Like, Can I do a sidebar? Yeah. I'm like deeply convinced that maybe like conservatives don't care about the environment because a lot of them are religious and they think that they're going to heaven. So like who cares about this planet? But... I just don't understand it. I'm like, you people, like a lot of you people are like hunters. You have like super connected to land. How do you not connect these dots? It's very frustrating. It's true. But also just like you drink water, right? That's how I feel sometimes. (laughs) I'm like, like, yeah. Well, but here's the other thing that they've done. They have quietly shut down the investigation on the um, Flint water crisis. Wow. That's not even a headline. That's another shitty thing that's going on. Oh, okay. I know you're not done yet. Oh, yeah. We're definitely building pipelines. What's up, Keystone Pipeline? Uh, Coming back. All of these executive orders are bad. They're just bad, 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 bad. He's also made it so that very important federal agencies like Health and Human Services or the U.S. Department of Agriculture or the EPA, as previously mentioned, cannot speak directly to the public and release their own information. So, for example, um, in Flint, Michigan, recently, there was a press release that, like, the water is now safe to drink. But because we don't have any direct access to the EPA, we don't know if that's just because they changed the standard or if it's because now the water is actually safe. Or, like, I mean, this is, like, a fundamental breakdown of our ability to understand regulations and, like, to set standards. Right. It's like a lot of people like do not like the government because it's bloated and it's slow and whatever your government criticism is. But government does really fucking important work every single day, like work that you can't privatize. These reports, we're not going to find them anywhere else. Like, is my over the counter medication safe? I don't know. Trump administration says, figure it out yourself. (laughs) Like, Yeah, Yeah, they're like, ask the global mind, like, we'll figure it out. It's really crazy just how they've rolled back like so many just transparency standards that we had 
And they're laying the groundwork for gutting a lot of these government agencies. And they keep telling you that they're like small ones. So you'd be like, well, commerce, what do we need that for? I don't know. Maybe they regulate the census and the census is really important because it's what you people use to redistrict and gerrymander us out of winning elections right. all the time. Yeah. And, and a lot of what I learned about how government actually runs comes from the years that I physically spent in D.C. And like when it comes to I mean, which is not to say that you can't understand this from reading the news or whatever, but like a basic understanding of civics um, is not enough to understand like what you just said in terms of why is the Commerce Department important. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about I really I really want someone like maybe some intrepid Vox reporter or something to write a book that's like this is your everyday textbook not to like how like the separation of powers is supposed to work or like how a bill becomes a law but like how things really happen in government right now because i think that is a reference book that we're going to need desperately in the next few years yeah and there's so many examples of this right so like for example the trump administration has called for a complete freeze of hiring right across the federal government because they're perpetrating this lie that the government is the biggest that it's ever been which is actually not true the government is quite small right now in terms of size. All of this means is that people in certain agencies can't hire. But guess what? Work still has to happen. So what are they going to do? They're going to outsource that work to contractors like me and pay me four to five times more than it actually costs to do that. And nobody has saved money. That's how, that's what hiring freeze means. Also, the hiring freeze is going to disproportionately affect veterans because the VA is the biggest employer that they have. Wow. And right now, the VA has something like 40,000 jobs that are open. A lot of those are like hospital jobs for VA hospitals. What does that do? So all of this is playing politics with people's lives and people will be put in really dangerous situations all for optics. Oh, yeah. And in case you are really upset about this and want to comment to the White House... The comment line that you used to be able to call to, you know, make your voice heard to the president of the United States is no longer operational. Yes, but they're right now directing you to a Facebook messenger page that does not exist <laughs> to leave your comment. And but, you know, here's the other thing about all of this, Anne, is that this all of this news is out there. And I've watched the two press conferences or I guess the third one so far with uh <laughs> Sean Spicer. And for all of these things, he has some sort of like lie ready. So for the White House comment line, I think that right now they're saying that they like don't know how to work their computers and like who knows it'll come back up soon. Some of these people, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but there's like so many lies out there. So this it's also like becoming really hard to just like parse out like, you know, what am I reacting really strongly to that is a headline that won't pan out to like what is actual like real reported news. Yeah. And it doesn't help when the press secretary is a liar. Ugh. It's like, so this is Tuesday. By the time Friday rolls around, I'm like fully convinced, like nothing, like just all of our infrastructure. I know we really do have to put a timestamp. I feel like on all, all future podcasts, we're going to have to say which day we recorded so that it's clear <laughs> that when we miss like eight other totally appalling things, it's just because we'd already recorded the episode. You know, it's really depressing, but I think that one way to look at it too is that like, we have our marching orders, right? It seems really overwhelming because literally they're gutting everything right now. But it's we know the issues we need to focus on and you know the things you need to hound and harass your Congress people about and the things that you need to show up at marches for because all of the stuff counts and all of it I know, counts. and I, I've been guilty on, on a few counts. You know, my 
Senator Kamala Harris has been very vocal about like when she is um, when she is standing up to certain things. And so, for example, if I see her tweet that she's going to do her best to block a certain nominee, I don't call her office. And then um, I saw an email from a friend of mine saying that she reached out to Dianne Feinstein's office, another like generally pretty like progressive senator from my state. Shout, shout out. Yeah, Diane. But they were like, listen, like we decide how hard to push on something based on the number of emails we get. And so if you don't email, even if your senator is on the same page as you, they don't know that it's a priority for you. And so that was a real wake up call for me that even if my senator is on the right page and is telling me that that we're on the same page, I still need to write the email and be like, keep standing up so that we don't get you know, we don't get these people confirmed or these p- policies passed. Yeah. No, that's so true. It's like we have to pressure them to hold the line because because to be fair to them, they're fighting multiple battles at the same time. So if they don't hear from us about what is the most important, it's just easy to like lose that um, that momentum. Yeah. God, there's so much work to do. I know. I'm actually at a point now where I'm like, is it better to send one long bulleted email or like a different email for every issue? Like, seriously, there is so much (laughs) stuff. I'm really, I don't know. There's so much stuff. But here's the thing about it is that um, my congressperson, Nidia Velasquez, what's up? Very progressive, like really cool Brooklyn rep. But still, every time I call... And I, you know, like do my little rant and they tell me that they've like added me to the tally of something. I like get that it matters to them. Right. Yeah. And so I think that for me, that was, I had been, I had been not like, not like I hadn't written a single letter, but I had sort of been a little lax, I think, when I assumed that my senators were on the same page as me or I knew them to be on the same page. So I guess hold them to the same page. Yeah, it's like I was watching the SNL cold open and uh, it was, uh, or Aziz sorry, it was on SNL this weekend, which I, I almost never watch SNL, but this was worth it. And uh, he called them the like lowercase KKK. And I was like, great burn. Like, thank you. These people are so fucking lazy and they're all liars and they're just like such a disgrace to themselves. And I to know. I, I also love how um, like when you, for example, um, ask him if he's a Nazi, there's been some reporting on this. He's like, no, no, that's a historical. T- I, lo- I love that we still haven't. I love that we still haven't said his name because I'm like, I don't want to give you any like I'm not giving you a single. Oh, my click, God. Sir. No, not at all. But I love how he's like Nazi. That's a historical term that doesn't really apply to me. Like not because we have differing <laughs> beliefs, but because like like Nazi is like too outdated a term it's like wow i mean um yeah yeah uh speaking of moving away from the nazis did you read this uh new yorker article about super rich preppers you know i haven't read it because if i had it's all i would be talking about i'm obsessed with preppers and i'm obsessed with super rich people so you're telling me that there are super rich preppers okay please well maybe maybe um we should define prepper for the listening audience uh a prepper is just Basically, a very it, uh, it's somebody who believes in a doomsday scenario, i.e., me, <laughs> who uh, prepare who prepares for it via various means. So the lowest level of this that you could do is just have a go bag and like water in your closet. But if you're a for real prepper, you have a bunker and shit, 
and a plan to leave the country. I know. One of the good things is if you live in California and you already have your earthquake kit, you're sort of a low-key prepper. <laughs> That's like prep like 101. 101, right? Like a, I have a box of Quest bars and a barrel of water. That's like 101. You are going to make it six hours I know. in the apocalypse. And now I just told everyone I have a barrel of water, which means I'll be a target. But you know, maybe maybe you'll repel them with the Quest bars, <laughs> so everything is great. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, okay, so this New Yorker article, though, is like about super rich, mostly sort of Silicon Valley super rich who are preparing for the end of days. So let me just read you this little part. In private Facebook groups, wealthy survivalists swap tips on gas masks, bunkers, and locations safe from the effects of climate change. One member, the head of an investment firm, told me, quote, I keep a helicopter gassed up all the time and I have an underground bunker with an air filtration system. He said that his preparations probably put him at the, quote, extreme end among his peers. But, but, he added, (laughs) quote, a lot of my friends do the guns and motorcycles and the gold coins. That's not too rare anymore. Yeah. So tell me, because I haven't read this article there's New Zealand reference, right? Because all the preppers want to move to New Zealand. Obviously. Reed Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, was recently done, telling done. a friend he was thinking of visiting New Zealand. And the friend said, quote, oh, are you going to get apocalypse insurance? Saying oh you're, quote, God. buying a house in New Zealand, quote, is kind of wink, wink, say no more. Oh, my gosh. I already have the blueprint. I just don't have enough money to do this. The super rich preppers. I'm like, how long are you going to last in an air filtered bunker if you have like like such a, an expensive lifestyle that you have your own helicopter? Like you're not going to last in that air filtered bunker more than three days. Truly. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to have to let go of a lot of baggage. I think it was maybe earlier this year or maybe last year. Let me look it up. And uh, Anne Helene Peterson at BuzzFeed wrote a great piece about um, the sur- a survivalist mom. That was like, it was like the women, the women preppers. And Whoa. it was really There's great. also, there was very recently, um, you know, just like last week, I think, uh, an, an article about liberal preppers, not necessarily rich preppers, but liberal preppers in BuzzFeed. Super organic, like survivalist chic, <laughs> like stuff. You're new to this. Yeah, it's about this woman, Lisa Betsford, who's the survival mom. She has a blog and it's like very good. But you should, we'll link to the article on the website so you can yeah. look at it. Also, can I can I do a PSA? We've been getting a lot of uh, tweets and Facebook messages that are like the article that you talked about. If you have a question about an article that we're sharing or a song that is on the show, it's all on callyourgirlfriend.com. Yeah, go to the episodes page and click on the episode you're listening to and there are always links to the stuff we talk about. Now I feel like I need to go home and work on my uh, on my prepping skills. I know. I'm like, I'm going to eat something that's not six Quest bars for lunch. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, I got to go find a place to hide all of my gold doubloons. <laughs> I'm going to make sure my helicopter is still gassed up. <laughs> Dubloon is truly my favorite word in the English language. It sounds like a Victorian garment. <laughs> You're out here in your doubloons waiting for the apocalypse to start. (laughs) Oh my god, look at that girl in her chic doubloons. Very chic. (laughs) You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, look up the link yourself, or on Instagram at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 
714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. See you on the internet. <laughs> See you on the internet, boo-boo. <laughs>